be going places. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of Thanksgiving food, somebody on the Specs text line when I was talking about deviled eggs because Coach Beard loves them, said they're from the devil, so I don't like them. Uh, uh, said wasn't going to do that. Uh, and then somebody else asked me about these uh, pronunciations. Uh, uh, the person with the 281 said, how's DeLeon pronounced? Yeah, it's DeLeon. Did, did Snoop mispronounce Refurio? No, he didn't. Mm. But some I said Refurio, and then somebody went Refugio on the no. Specs text line and said that, of course, and the, and the texter was correct, was the original Spanish pronunciation. But everybody calls it Refurio. And he said, do you know how it got to that? Do you know how Refurio, which is pronounced Refugio in Spanish, got the pronunciation as a No, I do not, and I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go uh, with that. Okay, um, Snoop mentioned how yesterday, Jeff, when you guys were talking about slot T and he thinks the day, daylight <laughs> yeah. might work in identifying yeah. the slot T. Yeah. I happen to hear that one little part there, and you were you, you were laughing quite a bit on that. Yeah, I still... <laughs> Snoop, did you have a chance to to go home and sleep on your analysis? And come back? That a bit? I, you know, I'm still not convinced. I, I okay. think it's, you have a, maybe one percent better chance. I still think like Snoop thinks like slot T offenses are like Batman; they can only yeah. work at nighttime. <laughs> you know that his his logic for that about maybe just because it's daytime reminds me of a story, and this is Thanksgiving when I worked in news radio in Dallas at KRLD. You know, they would always do the annual story about the prisoners in Huntsville and getting the annual Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. And the prison would say, we've officially ordered out 4,700 uh, pounds of turkeys. We have uh, 11,000 gallons of gravy uh, and uh, 2,750 uh, pounds of mashed potatoes. So he was reading all this stuff. And the news anchors read us, and they just paired him with a young lady who had started. And so he's reading all this stuff. And he, he says, and blah, blah, blah. The only complaint was the prisoner said they didn't have any marshmallows on their candied yams. And she paused and she goes, why does that matter? And he said, because they didn't have any marshmallows on the candied yams. She goes, I don't understand. <laughs> and he goes, you know, marshmallows on the candied yams. And she goes, well, how would I know? I've never been to prison. <laughs> so there's some there's some yes. Snoop logic. Yes. Now see if you want to feed prisoners spare turkey from the oven, then that's that's enough of a prison sentence for me. Is just to eat. Look, am I wrong, guys? Like, is is turkey just from from the oven? Is that not the most spare kind of turkey you can eat? Um, not a turkey pan. Find that uh, Les Miles thing about the turkey oh, sandwich. Mm-hmm. We got to have that. We got to yes. hear that it's, today. Uh, and yes, yes, yes. It's awful. Yeah. And, and for female listener 19 and the two other people have texted, I know what Bucky Guybolt means when he talks about deviled eggs, okay? It's Bucky, Got nothing to do with that. Bucky talking about baked potatoes, and too. Baked potatoes. <laughs> Bucky's a weird little old man. He lives in a different world, okay? He's different. You're making him sound we like, love him. Making him sound He's like different. Herbert from Family Guy He's calling di- him a weird little just, old man. He just is different, okay? I you got to admit, though, Bucky's Baked Potato, it's about that time of year where he needs to share the baked potato story. Ew, I always think of that as like a summertime campout type story. No, I like I like <laughs> Santa Buck to put his hat on and get the, get the kids around the fire and All right. share the tale of All right. now, how Bucky served up a baked potato. All right, let me give you a tale here uh, of something. This is uh, 
You know, I gave that that long, ridiculous story yesterday. What I went through mm-hmm. with a travel nightmare and getting locked out of my room. That story kept getting worse. As you're yeah, I know that it. was the that was the whole point. Well, <laughs> let me give to you Roger Wallace's story. This is still going on right now as we speak in the Bahamas. So Texas goes to the Bahamas, and you know the Texas women, of course, are trying to find their way without Roy Harmon. They dropped the first two games, but they won last night. They won handily, so they won the last one. So. They're supposed to leave this morning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're supposed to fly right out this morning. And um, uh, this was at 718 this morning. Roger texted me. Just got to airport. Apparently, our pilot is sick. <laughs> then, uh, about 10 minutes later, going back to the hotel. Pilot is in urgent care in Florida. Trying to get back to the hotel. Might be a late afternoon departure before we leave. Then... 15 minutes Death later. Ba- did, did the pilot have to go bad bathroom? Do we know what the I problem is? I don't know. Was? Just said urgent care. Uh, then he gets, mm-hmm. sends another one 15 minutes later. Now looking at an evening departure. And so then I texted back. I said, well, I guess it's a good thing you can at least go back to the hotel. And then like 15 minutes later, no rooms at the hotel because the men's tournament's coming oh, in yeah. at the bad boy mowers battle for Atlantis, and now there's fear we can't get out today. Some are talking about going commercial. There's a lot of dazed and confused going on here. And I said, oh, my gosh. Sounds brutal. And Roger says, I can afford an all-day thing to do that, but I'm supposed to be at work tomorrow. Look, man, if uh, if I'm all, if I'm trying to get out and my pilot's sick, I'm like, dude, you better put a, a can underneath you or something. Yeah, like, get you an air sick bag. We, we got to get home. Lay in a fresh supply of air sick bags. Does, Snoop, does that take our conversation about the Gatorade bottle to a whole nother level? Yes. Um, <laughs> ooh, like the no, disgust no, on no, your no, face. No, no. no I, was, I, was, I was picturing trying to. Never mind. So then, it's Roger, not big enough. Bad bathroom in the Gatorade bottle? Yeah, that'd be a big problem. I don't think, I don't think that's. I think yeah. that defies physics. Yeah, Snoop. really. Uh, so then, Roger reports. That um, they went back to the hotel. They were trying to get a new team room. He said, all Vic is saying is, you can't make this up. Uh, He said, by the way, I got a lot of mileage out of your hotel fiasco. Thanks, Raj. Uh, And then... Then he said, "Trying now they they've been trying to get rooms for at least the players." And a few minutes after that, a plan may be coming together. They're hoping for a 5 p.m. departure, fly into Orlando. Then they have to clear customs, then fly home from Orlando. So he's hoping for a late afternoon departure. So, yeah, planes, trains, and automobiles just an awful, awful. Uh, it's worse places to be stuck in the Bahamas, though. Yeah, but if you don't have a hotel room or anywhere to go, yeah, that make it easier. You it's know? not like you're stuck in Buffalo. Yeah. No, uh, no disrespect to anybody from Buffalo. Hey, there you go. Uh, okay, Snoop, this story just for you. You know the World Cup's going on. Yes. FIFA has instructed the Belgium men's national soccer team to remove the word "love." from the collars of their away uniform. Oh. They've told Belgium to remove it. Uh, Belgium says they wear their red kit, as they call their uniform, for the all-group stage games and deal with the situation they go through. This decision comes after England, Wales, Belgium, Denmark, Germany, and the Netherlands all agree not to wear one-love anti-discrimination armbands during the World Cup. FIFA said the captains of the teams would receive an automatic yellow card if they wore the uh, armbands. It, uh, so, 
Yeah. Is there, so they, more, is there a more corrupt organization in sports than FIFA? Here's something that came Are from somebody they? that said, FIFA's been very clear that it will impose sporting sanctions if our captains wear the armbands on the field of play. As national federations, we can't put our players in a position where they could face sporting sanctions, including bookings, that means availability, suspensions. So we've asked the captains not to attempt to wear the armbands in FIFA World Cup games. We were prepared to pay fines. However, we can't put our players in a situation where they might be suspended or forced to leave the field of play. We're very frustrated by the FIFA decision. We yeah. believe it's unprecedented. Yeah, FIFA sucks. So there you go. Mm. All right. Uh, I did not know this. Yeah, yeah just, just yeah, take, a, take a trip down the Google machine at some point. All right, hour number two of Light the Tower coming up on the Horn. Services Studios. You're listening to KTXX FM and HD1. Second hour of Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wayne, Jeff Howe with you. Snoop Daniel alongside. Hey, just to let you know, next Monday, uh, excuse me, that's in the Monday, uh, first of all, tomorrow. Uh, we have our Pluckers Wing Folks Lunch, yep. our, uh, and uh, that will be our South Lamar location, mm-hmm. right? Our final one of the season. Yep. So we'll look forward to bringing you that. Uh, on the program uh, tomorrow, Tony Salazar, head coach of the Westlake Chaparrales, will be with us uh, for our weekly Wednesday conversation. Also, Greg Tepper, managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, will be with us uh, tomorrow on the program. Andrew Sanders, head coach of the Vandegrift Vipers, moving up our conversation with him one day early since Thursday is Thanksgiving. So we have all of that coming up. But right now, joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, our good friend, the play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears, John Morris. JMO, appreciate the time. How are you today? Craig, doing great. Thanks for the introduction and look forward to seeing you guys on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, before we jump to football, let me get your thoughts on the, on this Bears basketball team yeah. uh, because, you know, other than that one matchup with Virginia, and we know Tony Bennett's teams historically start white hot, red hot, and they clearly were in Vegas. Other than that, I, I mean, it's it's been a good start for Scott Drew's ball club, hasn't it? It's been really good, and, you know, that, that loss to Virginia was uh, in Las Vegas, a tournament out there, and Baylor bounced back nicely and beat UCLA on Sunday. So, really good tournament, uh, even though Baylor suffered their first loss out there, and that's, that's not a bad loss at all to Virginia, who jumped way up in the polls. So, it's been a good start. I think uh, Coach Drew would probably tell you they're still working through, you know, rotations and where does everybody fit and minutes and uh, all of that but uh, but it is november so that's sort of what these games in november uh, show you you know i was explaining somebody was asking me about uh tyree hunter and who's who and tyree hunter has played great for texas at the start of the iowa state transfer and they said that he had 20 uh 26 points uh, against uh, against Gonzaga, how could he not win Big Twelve Player of the Week? I said, well, that was one game. They didn't play another game. <laughs> L.J. Cryer had three magnificent games for the Bears, including what twenty eight against UCLA, I think. Something yeah, like that. yeah, career high against UCLA. He was really big, but uh, I'm, I'm sure Tyrese Hunter was right there. So uh, that was fun. What a great win that was for Texas over Gonzaga. My gosh, to watch that. And I tell you what I noticed watching that game, Craig, and listening to you guys was the crowd and the mm-hmm. energy in that new building. Um, that is impressive. I mean, that really jumped off the 
uh, off the page uh, just seeing the crowd and how into it they were and that new building and the configuration of that. So, man, that looks like it's been a great move already. It has been. All right, uh, let's let's talk football. Let's talk about the Bears. And uh, I know it had to be a heartbreaker, but for them to be able – to play as well as they did to be in position uh, to beat TCU is unbeaten. I guess that probably just adds to the heartbreak, but by the same token, it was it was something else. We were watching it from the broadcast booth at Kansas and, and seeing how close that game was. Yeah, Baylor played great. I mean, they really did. And, and remember, that was coming off uh, a, a whitewashing against Kansas State. Baylor lost the week before 31-3 to and were never really in that game. And to, to bounce back and play that well against a really good TCU team, just a credit to our players and coaches. And then to be right there, you know, to be that close where it's, it's the difference in maybe one first down. You know, when we have that last possession, you get one first down. TCU's already used all their timeouts, and, and Baylor could probably run the clock out the final 207 but they couldn't get the first down and had to punt the ball away and give TCU credit, man. I, I, that's how you get to 11 and 0 is by making plays. And they sure did that, including that uh, well-executed uh, fire drill kick at the gun. John Richard Reese is a guy. Anytime I've watched Baylor this season, he, he's really impressed me. Obviously we know about Jeff Grimes and, and the wide zone that Baylor runs. Uh, what is it about Richard Reese in this offense, John, that's just made him such a good fit? Yeah, Jeff, it, it's kind of hard to explain because he's not a big guy at all. You know, if you look at his measurables, he's not that big, but he runs really hard between the tackles, and he does something that the coaches – I can remember back in fall camp, they kept just hammering this point. In the wide zone, you know, the deep, the offensive line blocks, and then it's up to the running back to either go wide in that run or to plant a foot and cut up field. And it seemed like all through fall camp and really early in the season – None of these guys, and we've got three running backs that have kind of shared the load, but none of them were really planting their foot and cutting up field. Well, Richard Reese really grasped hold of that finally, and uh, he, he's uh, he set the Baylor record for freshman rushing yards, and he's just been terrific. He's out of Belleville High School, and especially you consider he's a true freshman and doing this uh, in this league against the defenses we've seen. He's just been terrific. Clearly, uh, the uh, Dave Aranda and uh, the coaching staff felt that Blake Shapin was going to be able to do the job at quarterback. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been named the starter so early on. But uh, for him to play to the percentage that he is, he's completing 66% of his passes as well and leading this attack and can run the ball a little bit. Has he, has he perhaps even exceeded what they thought they might get out of him, or is he like right on uh, target for, for both Coach Aranda and Jeff Grimes? You know, I think he has done really well his first full season as the starter, but I think he can be better. And I think the coaches think he can be better. Uh, and that's not a knock on him whatsoever because stepping in is first time, you know, first time full time starter. He started two games last year, but you know, his performances have been a little uneven this year. Early in the year, he had some turnovers that were, you know, a couple of them that were, you know, really turned out to be pretty major turnovers. Um, but he just keeps getting better each week, and he's a smart guy, and he's, he's our best option at quarterback. Um, and I think it was the right decision. Nothing against Gary Bohannon, but Blake just has such an upside running the ball and definitely throwing the ball that it, it was. I, I completely agree with the decision, and I think that's been borne out by the way he's played this year. But I think his best football is ahead of him also. 
John, when I looked at Baylor going into the year, I know they lost a lot on defense coming off of last season, but you figure with a guy like Siaki Ika in the middle of that defensive line, they're probably going to be all right and be able to build it around him. How has it been having him in the middle, and is everything kind of funneled out from there? Yeah, you know, uh, we lost some key guys, obviously. You know, Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie and JT Woods on the back end. I mean, those were really key guys defensively on the field and as leaders also. So I think, um, you know, some of the – if you look at Baylor's record right now, 6-5, and five, say why, uh, I think it was uh, leadership on this team, you know, filling that void of those guys who left. Uh, Apuika certainly is one of those guys on the defensive front. And he, to be honest, hadn't been as dominating as I thought he would. It's his second year here after transferring from LSU. And I thought, you know, and last year he was really good. And this year I thought he would take a step forward. Um, and he's been good. And that defensive front has been good. But he, he hadn't been dominating. Or, or in very few situations has he been dominating. So I think his, uh, you know, his best games are ahead of him also. And he's running out of time here at Baylor. So uh, this Friday would be a great time for him to really step up and clog up that middle. Hey, I, I got to ask you about another guy, only because yeah. uh, I saw him a lot. I do mean a lot in in his high school games with the television show and and a couple of games I did, and that's Squirrel Williams. Because oh yeah, uh, it, you know it's it, it's one thing to just talk about Craig Williams doing this, but you know in high school we knew everybody should call him Squirrel. He's Squirrel, and and you can see why when he runs like that. But but he adds that element also. What out of the backfield, special teams, things like that that can make him dangerous. He he really does, and and it's sort of a three headed monster, Craig. You know this uh, for our running backs. It's Squirrel. It's Richard Reese, who we talked about. And, uh, uh, you know, one more is Quaylen Jones. And, and actually, there's a fourth guy, Tay McWilliams, who started the year as the starter, but he's been out since the second game and, and won't play again this season. But those three guys have really shared the load, and Squirrel is so great. And he's one that everybody pulls for because he's had these injuries and had to battle back from them. Pretty significant injuries last year and then again this year. And uh, when he's healthy, you can see what he can do. And he showed that over 100 yards last week against TCU. So he, he is a real key in that running game. And really, the running game is a real key to Baylor's success. So Squirrel's right in the middle of that. Visiting with John Morris, play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears here on Light the Tower on the Horn. John, piggybacking off that, uh, I think the, the big matchup, at least the one I'm watching, is that Texas defensive line against the Baylor offensive line. We've talked about that run game. We've talked about Richard Reese. But uh, that offensive line has a lot of guys that have played a lot of football going against the Texas defensive line, especially on the interior that's been one of the better uh, run defenses in the Big 12 this year. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Jeff. Uh, and our offensive line is a real um, uh, position of strength on this team. You know, veteran guys, everybody but one of them is back from last year. Connor Galvin's a real anchor at the left tackle. And, and again, for this wide zone to be effective, it all starts with that blocking up front. And these guys have been really good and, and really gotten better every week of the season. So hopefully they're hitting their peak, you know, right about this week and, uh, and then the bowl game beyond this. But uh, that is a real matchup against a, 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 a very active defensive front for Texas. And Baylor's got to run the ball. You know, the success Baylor has had this year in the games they've won, they've been able to run the ball well. And they've got to be able to do that. And to me, that all starts up front. John, I would imagine you're hearing the same types of answers that Texas folks are hearing with regard to bowl game. Have you heard anything in terms of uh, what the slant might be from uh, 
the representatives of certain bowl games who have an and, and I imagine uh, you know in, in the old days of the uh, of the bowl uh, the brightly colored blazers who would see the press box at DKR <laughs> packed with those this right. Friday. So uh, have you heard about uh, the possibility of what the bowl destination might be for the Bears? Not really. I, I would say most of the talk, and, and, you know, I think this game Friday is going to go a long way, you know, going one way or the other. You know what I mean? Um, if Baylor could win this week and close with a big win on the road, you know, that jumps Baylor up, I think, in the uh, on the list. Yeah. But a loss would be three straight losses to end the year and a 6-6 six and six record. And certainly going bowling is, no, you know, wherever you go is nothing to sneeze at. But, but the ones uh, that we talk about, and there is nothing definitive at all, but uh, maybe, uh, maybe Memphis, maybe Houston, maybe Phoenix. Um, so those are the ones that we, uh, you know, are kind of being tossed around, but nothing for sure. Okay, don't talk to Caridi or, or Estridge about uh, calling the game from Phoenix because you're in the end zone. Oh, yeah. behind the, the, oh, oh no, I, I did that a few years ago. Yeah, we had the Cactus Bowl a few years That's ago. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead, yeah. <laughs> Dead back corner of the end zone. So, yeah, I've done that. That's uh, that's a treat for sure. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, John, I appreciate it. Hey, we look forward to seeing you on Friday. Hope you have a happy Thanksgiving with you and Terry and the family and look forward to seeing you in the booth on Friday. I sure appreciate that. Now, whose house is Snoop going to tomorrow or, uh, or Thursday? That's a great question. Snoop, do you have a yeah. specific uh, Thanksgiving destination? Well, I was going to go just party, but. <laughs> that sounds like Snoop, right? Thanks, yeah. th- thanks for asking, Mister we'll, Morris. That we'll we'll we'll, we'll see if we can find a destination for him. John, Take thanks care, for the time. Please. We'll we'll see you on Friday. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All thanks, right, John. that's John Morris, play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears. One of the best, right there, John yeah. Morris. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, hey uh, Snoop, uh, Jeff just reminded me. So, can you pull up? We haven't done a sharp review of the Big Twelve, so it's probably a good idea. There we go. A little misfire. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. We got a little bit of sharp. Back review. on schedule. Yeah. So we're back to uh, getting ready for that with a sharp review of the Big Twelve. All right, let's uh, start off with Baylor TCU. What a ball game last it, Saturday. If I if I'm the THSCA, I give Sonny Dykes a lecture just to go over the logistics of. The fire the drill. Fi- the fire drill with the field goal. How you make that work. Seriously, Craig, I don't think I've ever seen one executed better. Yeah. I mean, it seems seamless. Yeah. No panic. In the way that they did it. That's a good point. Yeah. It, it, made, does, it, it made me nervous watching it, though. You know, like, you know, like my stomach was in knots. and I, 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 had no, I had no dog in the fight, but I'm like, ooh, are they going to get it in time? And they did, so. Uh, yeah, TCU yeah. survives. Yeah, they survive, and we find out tonight. I mean, they're going to st- stay at number four in the rankings i would yeah. imagine and then and then in a position to move up if they assuming they beat iowa state this week in a position to move up to three because ohio state michigan this something's going to happen in columbus this week and also i think we could put that tennessee conversation to bed now yep they're done uh i think uh, unless more chaos happens from uh, here further out i i agree with you there on that um okay uh, how about uh, the uh, Oklahoma uh, matchup against Oklahoma State Bedlam? We we haven't we hadn't seen sp- bad Spencer Sanders. Finally got it. He had been tucked away and stored and well, you know, kind of saw it against Kansas State, wrapped in mothballs. Yeah, but man, he like Michael Myers. Every Halloween movie, he resurfaced with a vengeance. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it wasn't good. It did not go well. That's, oh, you got up twenty-eight nothing. Just kind of held on. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. but they're bowl eligible. So yeah, um, Iowa State made it interesting for a while with Texas Tech. They said Tech won a football game, scoring its fewest points, I believe, in a conference game since two thousand eight. It was against A and M. Twelve nothing yeah. against A and M. You know. Iowa State, as good as their defense is, they they they're dead last in the Big Twelve run of the football. They do not have a run game to speak of. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy to replace a, a franchise guy like Brees Hall. No, no, uh, definitely not. Uh, okay, K State put itself in position now to play for the conference title. They kind of toyed with West Virginia for a while and ended up winning forty eight thirty one. Neil Brown playing out the string. Mm. Not a matter of if, but when. Yeah, it's the X. I'm already getting questions from folks asking, can K-State beat TCU? I said, keep the quarterbacks healthy. They have a shot. We saw that in Fort Worth before they, you know, before they got hurt. All right, so this week, what you've got in in the Big 12, again, Iowa State, TCU, obviously everything at stake for TCU, a chance to uh, uh, get to 12-0, and and then, of course, they'd have to win the Big 12 championship game, and if they do that, they're going to be in their first ever college football playoff. I wouldn't be shocked if TCU struggles to score a little bit in that game, but I have no worry. Like I said, Iowa State can't run the football. I have no worries about TCU winning that game. Uh, Oklahoma plays at Texas Tech. Both, by virtue of wins last week, are now bowl eligible. They're both 6-5, and five, so this is to see who stays out of Arizona or Fort Worth or Here's Here's the key for Tech. Tech has never beaten Oklahoma and Texas in the same season. Hmm. They might have a shot. And I know I've seen Don Williams and some other writers in Lubbock yeah. saying that's a really big deal for Joey McGuire and that staff. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Eh, I mean, West Virginia, like you said, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, like you said. It, I'll it, anoint that the who gives the south end of a rat game of the week in the yeah, conference. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State with a win and maybe a Texas loss then finishes in a tie for third with Texas and Baylor, and possibly even Texas Tech, they beat Oklahoma and, and could wind up going to the Alamo Bowl as a result of that, that sort of thing. And then there's the Sunflower Showdown Saturday night. We'll know by Friday afternoon whether that game has the impact that it could possibly have. I like DeMarvin Overshone yesterday in the player avail- availability. Said he, talk, he was talking to Kansas guys on the game after the video. like, I was trying to you know, get them pumped up for K-State, hoping it might light a fire under <laughs> There you go. Uh, all right, there it is, your Sharp review and preview of the Big 12. Brought to you by Sharp Vision Modern LASIK. And uh, coming up next, we'll have our Longhorn Notebook. We'll have a Flex 30 update as well as we continue with Light the Tower. On the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Oh, oh, oh.
This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig and Jeff with you. Snoop Daniel alongside as well. And let's, uh, somebody, uh, first of all, before we get to the uh, Longhorn Notebook, he says, mark my words, TCU's going to get screwed. USC's going to win the Pac-12. LSU's going to win the SEC. They're still going to let Georgia in, and that leaves TCU out. Just don't see that happening. An undefeated. An undefeated Power 5 champion gets into the playoff. Yeah, it just. It just happens. Doesn't matter if it's TCU or ABC. I mean, if they're if they're or whoever it is, if you've like, got... remember the first year of the playoff, Florida yeah. State was an yeah. undefeated Power Five champion. But yeah. I think we all knew that they're they're going to get curb stomped. Whoever they play, yep. and Oregon did the job. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Like if if you're not going to put in an undefeated Power Five champion, then what are we doing here? Yeah. Uh, then, so... then the committee doesn't need to say anything about conference championships matter. Yeah. Uh, I. Um... Yeah, I, I just can't see it being that way. Uh, uh, announcement coming out today, Big 12's been chosen to host the 2030 Final Four at Jerry World. Nice. 2030 Men's Final Four. Of course, the uh, Women's Final Four is at American Airlines Center in Dallas this year. So, uh, yeah, the Men's Final Four will be at... Uh, you going to be you gonna be ready to call that one, Craig? <laughs> Still going to be on the job in 2030? Uh, we can only hope, right? All right, time now for this hour's edition uh, wait, before we get to the notebook, yep. we do have to have a Flex 30 update, yes, so let's have that first. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Vuvuzela, Snoop. I don't even need to call for it anymore. They were playing those apparently up in Garland at the Curtis Colwell Center of the state volleyball tournament, you know, uh, right there after Dripping Springs won the state volleyball championship, right? Congrats to them, yes. Yeah. Big time, Michael Kane. Yeah, yeah. Tremendous. Uh, So congrats in their first season as a 6A winning state volleyball. And they're trying to go for the volleyball football double as they play this week. You know, uh, there is going to be all kinds of craziness uh, in these parts if both Region 4, 6A, state quarterfinals next week are all Austin area schools. If it's Lake Travis, Westlake in Division 1 and Dripping Springs, Vandegrift in Division 2, what does he like to say, Snoop? It'll be lit. It'll be lit. <laughs> It'll be lit. Bittersweet. Be. Yeah. At the end. Uh, and you could have an all, good chance you could have an all greater Austin area quarterfinal in 4A Division Two. The Wimberley Gerald winner, perhaps taking on Lago Vista. Yeah. Could have that. So uh, there's there's a lot that's out there at stake. All right. There is your Flex 30 update. Time now for the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock. Home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. I want to get to a little basketball before we get to football, Craig. Just some notes from the basketball game last night. Texas is shot. They shot right at 50% last night. So the first four games, they're 50% or better from the field. And that's going three for 22 from three against Houston Christian. They didn't shoot the three that well against UTEP. They shot it from deep really well in the first half last night. Not so much. And I think they were one for 10, one for 11 from three in the second half last night. Yeah. So the three-point shooting has been up and down. But for this team to still be shooting 50% from the floor, Craig, in each of their first four games, 50% or better, I think that speaks volumes to how diverse 
they are in terms of their ability to score, how they can score, and that goes into some of these other numbers. Uh, Texas, through their first four games, they've got a 78-10 to 10 edge in fast break points. We've talked, we talk a lot about tempo. We know Chris Beard wanted to play faster. A lot of that is Tyrese Hunter, but they one thing you'll hear Chris Beard constantly talk about, they want to score off their defense, live ball turnovers, and turn those into points. Mm-hmm. They've done that to the extent, Craig, where uh, last night a 34-10 to 10 edge in points off turnovers, 40-14 to 14 edge in points in the paint. So those areas where you're seeing Texas, we're seeing them get different guys involved in the offense, getting them touches in different ways. And all those points in the paint, it's not like they're just dumping it down to bigs. That's Tyrese Hunter. That's Jabari Rice uh, getting into the lane, being able to get buckets, Dylan Mitchell doing what he does, uh, being able to to get offensive rebounds and putbacks. Uh, and then, like I said, being able to take your live ball turnovers and turn those into points on the other end of the floor. So Texas, uh, defensively, one of the best teams in the country right now, and turning that defense into points and – if they can ever get consistent three point shooting, uh, which I, you know, I, I think that's something that you know maybe we'll see how much they can bank on it later in the year. Mm-hmm. But Chris Beard's been confident that they've got guys that can shoot the ball. They've got proven shooters on this team. Uh, if that's there when they need it, this team seems going to be a really tough out in conference play, and then when you get into the postseason. So yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, in fact, I'm say this is a real uh, quick, uh, quick chat since we're still in basketball with Brock Cunningham. Uh, Snoop, can we have the uh, Brock Cunningham? This was uh, after the game. We just had a really uh, brief visit with uh, Brock Cunningham. As one of the old meal, probably. Like yesterday. Uh, <laughs> did they ask Sark about that? Well, no. The, my favorite one was Jade Barron, who's a local guy. Yeah. Snoop, flex guy. Shout out to everybody at Conley. Uh, Jade got asked, hey, are you going to have some of your teammates over the house? He's like, are you going to save some of that for yourself? Kind of joking. And Jade was like, no, I'm probably going to save all of it for myself i don't think i'm gonna have anybody over (laughs) (laughs) at least he's i appreciate the honesty uh speaking of the longhorns on the gridiron craig a couple of things uh b john robinson semi-finalist for the doke walker award he picked up big 12 offensive player of the week yesterday the earl campbell tyler rose award national off national player of the week Uh, he got that award today so Props to him again, going for 243 and four touchdowns against Kansas. Uh, interesting comments from Sark yesterday about the quarterback competition for next year. Said, hey, it's going to be open. It's no different than any other job. And, and Quinn Ewers is cool with it. He said, quote, that's how it works, especially under Coach Sark. For sure, I'm ready for any competition. So we'll see who's in that quarterback room. You know, it's the expected arrival of Arch Manning in the spring. Uh, I have. You would think Hudson Card probably moves on at this point and, and hits the transfer portal with the chance to start somewhere. Uh, so it, it's gonna you're gonna have talent in that room. I, I think you know Sark talked yesterday about Malik Murphy and the fact that he's made strides, like what he's done coming off of the injury he had about a year ago. So you'll have some talent in that room, and I, I think it's just a message to me how I interpret it, Craig. To me, it's a message to Quinn Ewers to say, and I, I don't think this is anything Sark hasn't told Quinn privately. Look, you've got great tools. You're my guy, but I need you to make improvements. I need you to be working and making these strides and really understand the offense, be an extension of me on the field, fix the footwork issues, all that stuff. That stuff we talk about that you can't really – you can clean it up a little bit and conceal it a little bit, but you can't fix it until January. January is when it needs to start getting fixed. So, uh, again, Sark said that's no different from any other job, and and let Quinn Ewers go compete for it again. I still think, you know – it's ninety nine percent probability Quinn Ewers is your opening day starter in twenty twenty three, but I think just making sure, making sure you got a fire lit under your guys. One other thing on football, Craig, before we uh, start to wrap up the show today, yeah, 
Senior Day. Now, typically, Texas in the game notes for the regular season home finale, they'll list the guys that are scheduled to go to, to participate in Senior Day. That's correct. That list was not released yesterday. It's going to mm-hmm. be released later in the week, so probably we'll get to kick off and see who actually goes through the proceedings. I think they're is. still trying to determine it. Yeah. But keeping on these, these guys, uh, Keandre Coburn, Tavondre Sweat, Moro Ojimo, Jordan Whittington, Christian Jones, Roshan Johnson, those six guys have the option to come back. Now, Roshan Johnson, his mind's pretty much made up at this point. He said he's taking this senior day like he is a senior and leaving. He's already mm-hmm. accepted an invitation to the Senior Bowl. I asked him about that yesterday. He said he's really excited about it, so don't expect Roshan Johnson to be back. Christian Jones made it sound like he's going through senior day and prepared for this to be his last home game. Mm-hmm. So I think you're seeing some guys get ready to move on. We didn't meet with Tavondre Sweat, Moro Ojimo yesterday. Jordan Whittington and Keandre Coburn both said the same thing. They'll get through the season. They'll sit down. They'll look at everything after the, after the, after the season's over, and then make a determination from there what they're going to do for their future. Elephant in the room, Bijan. <laughs> we we keep trying to see what he'll say, but he did say yesterday that he's going to do the same deal. Mm-hmm. Ask you know, sit down with his agent and his family and everything, and go over the options. And God. And, and God, uh, by the way, Bijan, I, I think you – have you heard Bijan do that, Snoop? Whenever he does availability mm-hmm. with us post-game? Post-game interview with us. Yeah. he Somebody will ask him a question, and then mm-hmm. he'll just say, first, first of off, all. First of all, I want to thank God for allowing me to get through this game healthy, mm-hmm. and he'll, mm-hmm. you know, he's very, very, very strong in his faith. So I figured you'd, you'd appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but, no, look, and, and we could talk about the NIL money Bijan mm-hmm. could get if he came back. I – Count on this being his last home game, even though he hasn't said anything yet. Just the nature of the position he plays. It would be it'd be logical. The fact that he's going to be a first round pick. Just yeah. Uh, don't expect don't expect to see five. If you haven't seen five yet, make sure you're at DKR on Saturday. But some of those other guys, Craig, the the, the interior defensive lineman for me is is really interesting to see which of those guys come back. Because if you get even one of those guys back. Coburn, Sweat, or Ojimo, you feel like next year you've got something going good with the strides we've seen from Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins of late, also Byron Murphy coming back. You get one of those three back, you feel like you're in a pretty good spot. If you get two of the three back, I don't think you'll get all three, but if you get two of the three back, then you're looking at can you once again be the best interior defensive line in the Big 12 next year? No doubt about it. All right, uh, we'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Jeff Quick started quick roofing in 1984 with one house. That one house has evolved into over 200,000 projects. Quick roofing doesn't require any money up front until 100% completion and 100% satisfaction is achieved. Quick roofing requires a project manager on every job site, ensuring the customer is getting everything they were promised. Quick roofing believes if you can't take care of the customer, then you're not going to have a business. Quick Roofing has been around for 30 30-